are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Wildcat fans. There's a ton to get to this episode. And we're going to be joined by a very special guest who's essentially going to be a twice a week co-host on the show. We'll uh, let you know who he is in a minute. But let's get down to business. We're going to talk about the USC game against Arizona and a quite startling performance, I would say. Something that coming on the heels of Arizona's debacle against US, UCLA, not a lot of people saw coming. But before we get to all that, this game, to me, had a much bigger meaning. Did Sean Miller possibly save his job? And not only that, get an extension? But it's not for the reason that some of us might think. Arizona's 81-72 Saturday night victory was a major statement by Sean Miller and really buoys his supporters' case to keep him. Sure, it was Arizona's best game of the season, and we will get to that in the next segment. And I don't know any AD in the country who's going to hire or fire a guy based off a winning or losing one game. Would you do that? I wouldn't. This felt a little different, though. This was a punking of maybe the best team in the conference, and it was done with a cast of characters that will all be back. USC came into this game riding high, ranked 17th in the nation, playing some of the best defense of any team in the country, led by possibly the first pick in the draft in Evan Mobley, a team that also Arizona basically gave up at against earlier in the season, and Coach Sean Miller alluded to that multiple times after Arizona's first game against USC. I get it. Arizona fans are tired of the wait-until-next-year refrain, and honestly, that's more than fair. Anybody who grew up in the Lute Olsen era or saw basketball in the first five or six years of the Sean Miller tenure knows what elite-level basketball is like, knows what it's like to have a top-five team, knows what it's like to have a top-ten team. But when everybody hears, especially during the Sean Miller era, the wait until next year mantra, that was based off incoming talent that wasn't on the roster at that point. Who knows if Nico Mannion was going to be Mike Bibby or turn out to be Nico Mannion. High school ratings, unless they're a top three, four, five kid in the nation, are generally a projection. That's what they are. Nico Mannion, for example, came in as a top five, top ten player in the country. And while he was good, there was nobody that watched the point guard position while Nico was here and said, that's what I was expecting. Next year's team, though, isn't betting on the come. Up and down this roster, there is talent that we already know about. You know you have an All-American type candidate next year in Azulis Tabellis. I get it. You're probably saying to yourself, what the heck? The guy's averaging 12 and 7. It's more than that. When you watch the big man play and you watch him play against some of the better teams in the conference, he's given you big numbers. He's given you big performances game in and game out. This is a guy that's going to be 19 and 10 next season. I said it. He's that good. The other guys are somewhat of a projection, but you can see improvement and you can see where it's possible to think, man, with a year under your belt, this could be a different player next year. Look at James Akinjo, point guard, 
has played some incredibly subpar games this season. But Sean Miller made an interesting point after this last post game where he said that it might not necessarily show up in the stat sheet, but James is playing the kind of ball that I want him to play. He is controlling the game. I don't necessarily need him to get 20 points. I need him to be able to control the game. And against the best team in the conference, that's exactly what James Akinjo did. Sure, it's nice that he put up 20 points and seven assists, but it's more how everything was done, how everything was done the way that Sean Miller wanted. You look at some of these other players, too. A Kerr Kreisa. You can tell... You can tell that Kirk Risa is going to be a good shooter. And so you've already got the the makings of a pretty good starting five. If you're dead set on getting rid of Sean Miller, I get it. We can be honest here. For the last three, four years, this has been a stretch of Arizona basketball that none of us are really used to watching. Nobody really is saying, man, it was a good year. We might be able to sneak into the tournament or last year's team where, okay, it's pretty cool that we might get in as a nine seed, but you really don't matter. The last team that really mattered at Arizona was four years ago. So again, I'm not telling anybody here that thinks that Arizona should move on from Sean Miller, that Arizona shouldn't. But I would be incredibly careful, though, about that decision, though. You've got a team that has the potential next year to be really good. And yesterday was a really was a reminder of that. One other thing you got to think about, too. If you want to get rid of Sean Miller, you've got to have an option. You've got to have some kind of idea as to who you're actually going to get. The last thing anybody wants is a coaching search like occurred after Lute Olson finally retired for the last time, where you're going through basically a land of misfit toys coaching hire where, okay, we're looking at Tim Floyd. Well, well, we can't hire Tim Floyd. Well, let's see if Jim Boylan's around. Sure, Arizona backed into Sean Miller, but Arizona got lucky there. I think I think we all know that. To me, the situation is fairly simple. Unless you can get somebody who is a top flight coach, who is somebody deserving of a top 15, top 20 program like Arizona is, you extend Sean Miller with next to a no buyout. Meaning that if Arizona doesn't play well next year, then you can move on from Sean Miller. But he also has a little bit of certainty there that he can go out to recruits and say, all right, I got a three-year contract. Sure, it's superficial, but it's better than some of the alternatives. And when you've got the unstable situation right now where you don't know exactly what is going on in the athletic department, this, to me, is probably the safest way to go about. Again, I don't want to come across as being shallow here saying that, okay, well, Mike, you're really saying this because Arizona beat a, the 17th-ranked team in the country? No. What I am saying, though, is this was a reminder that this team could be really, really good next year with the allotment of players that are already on this roster. And second of all, this is a tough group of guys. No matter what you think of Sean Miller, and there's a lot of stuff that you can really critique, the end-of-game situations are never good, and I think that Arizona fans always cringe when they see that. But one thing that you can never doubt is that Sean Miller has never lost 
one of the teams that he's coached. And that's a big thing. In today's era, when you've co- you're coaching one and dones NBA players across the board, that's a big thing. The guys on this roster obviously still believe in him. And I think if you were to ask all of them, they would like to have another year to be able to show Arizona fans that they can get this thing back on pace. If you were going to bet on the Arizona-USC game and you wanted to take Arizona straight up, you could have made a lot of money doing that. And the place to go for that is betonline.ag. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. The college basketball season is coming to an end, and is there anything that is more enjoyable than throwing down a few dollars on that 13 seed that you think can make that run to the Elite Eight or that 12 seed that you've been following pretty much all season and you know, all right, if they get the right matchup, then they can really make some noise right there. And I'm going to be the one that's going to outsmart some people out there. And that's where betonline.ag is super simple to use and is a great platform to be able to win a few dollars here and there. You got the you got the NCAA tournament coming up. NBA is in full effect. You got baseball coming up. There's really been never a better time to join betonline.ag. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by a very special guest slash co-host, a guy who's broken a lot of information over the years, somebody who I've become fairly friendly with and is going to be a staple of this show. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats. If you can tell that I'm smiling, it's because I am, because we have now a man who's going to be a feature of the show and a guy who just quite frankly understands the game of basketball and shares my passion for U of A sports, U of A football, U of A basketball, John Brogan. Hey, Mike. You, you might know John Brogan <laughs> from uh, he's spent time on 1290 before he has also been a regular on uh, Wildcat Authority message boards, breaking information. First of all, before we get to a little bit of the insider title, mm-hmm. Tell people out there a little bit of who you are. Yeah, so I grew up in southern Arizona, um, graduated from the U of A, played a lot of basketball around the city, and that's probably how I've met, you know, maybe 80% of the people I know in the city, I would say. Um, But yeah, just grew up with Arizona sports, you know, starting all the way back when loot first got to Arizona. Um, You know, I was... You're that old? Yeah, old, but not that old. But, you know, I was in my early teens you know when it was sean elliott steve kerr and then happened to be in tucson regularly when it was you know bibby simon dickerson that era and so kind of had a, had a good chance to go through all the different eras of arizona basketball from loot up until where we're at today one of the things about you is that you've broken a lot of stuff on message boards over the years you know you broke uh, certain players coming back to the football team certain commits Larry Scott being out by the top of the year. Now, you were off by a couple weeks on that, but the tweet is out there. How do you hear these kind of things? You know, I've just, I've been around Tucson for a long time, and I just, I know a lot of people who know a lot of people. Um, you know, I'm not going to say where I hear the stuff from, but it's 
a lot of times a friend of a friend of a friend type of thing. One thing I always try to do, though, is I always try to validate it first. So I'm not just throwing a bunch of wild stuff out there. And I think over over the years, it's been proven more credible than not. Um, but yeah, just know a lot of people. Right, let's dive into it because you share the same passion that I do for Arizona basketball. And Arizona played its best game of the season on Saturday against USC. 81-72. to 72, And that was... Honestly, that was indicative of how this game really went, in my opinion. This felt like Arizona on this day was a 10-point or better team against a USC team that was playing some of the best ball in the country at that point. They were seemed to have a stranglehold on the conference. That's not obviously the case anymore. But Arizona played a USC team that's used to kind of bullying people up front and Arizona took that bully right to them there, John. Yeah, and it's and it's weird to say because they gave up 72 points, but Arizona's defense was pretty good in this game, especially when you look back to the UCLA game, where in the second half, you know, I think UCLA shot close to 80% from the field, whereas USC in the second half, I think, shot 36%. And, and, and that's going to be Arizona and kind of Sean Miller's MO, if you will, right? Arizona's consistently one of the top, offensive teams in the country from efficiency standpoint, points per game, all those things. His teams that could guard usually went pretty deep in the tournament. His teams that couldn't guard usually get exposed either in the tournament or or like you saw against UCLA. So to me, it's all about defense with, with this team. If they show up and play defense like they did yesterday, they're going to score enough points to win games. I don't know about you, but when you're going against a team that's got Evan Mobley at the center position, who is not DeAndre Ayton, Arizona fan reference, obviously, but he you can tell that he's going to be a long-term, long-time starter in the NBA, mm-hmm. and he's a top three to five pick. You've got his brother there, Isaiah Mobley, also seven foot, not nearly as good as Evan, but he'll play in the NBA. He'll be on the roster in some capacity. These guys combined, the brothers combined for 30 and 12. Azulis Tabellis and Jordan Brown, who we'll get to in a moment, combined for 35 points and 28 rebounds. That is the best big man statistical performance of the season. And as far as a duo goes, you have to go back three or four years to be able to find a combination of that. This was a reminder to me that there is still a lot of talent on this Arizona roster and something that on a given day, they show that and the youth kind of gives way to the talent and this was no fluke that we saw out there yeah i've been hard on jordan brown this year because coming into the season not as mean as me not 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 as hard as you for sure but everything coming out of arizona was that jordan brown's going to be really really good impact player um and then he kind of fell flat but yesterday was the first time where i'm like okay maybe i should be a little more excited about jordan brown next year than what the previous, you know, 20-plus games had showed me. What also didn't feel fluky, though, to me about this was if we were talking about an Arizona team that went 12 of 17 from Mm three-point range, you know, you've played enough basketball, i played enough basketball, obviously not at the level you did, but we've seen enough to know that there are sometimes teams just get hot and— you're not going to beat them. 
there wasn't really any of that there. Sure, Arizona made eight of 17 threes. That's obviously going to help your that's obviously going to help your endeavor for sure. But it's not like we're sitting here talking about them raining down 14 threes like Buffalo did against Arizona in the NCAA tournament <laughs> three or four years ago. This was just kind of a systematic beatdown all the way across. And it started up front with the big men. And then it kind of sprinkled down to the perimeter where James Akinjo, who has kind of been a lightning rod for Arizona fans, I've been much bigger on James than a lot of people, but I do understand the frustration because there's a lot of games where we're talking about how he just went three of 13, but he gets 20 points, seven assists. And honestly, I thought Miller's quotes were incredibly apropos here where he said, I didn't even necessarily care about the stats. I cared about he controlled the game and that's exactly what he did. Yeah. And and this year with the Kinjo, you see, He's got a tendency to dribble the ball a lot. A lot of times it's 15 seconds in a shot clock possession. But when he's aggressive like he was yesterday, then you get the best version of James Akinjo. When he's dribbling around the perimeter, probing the defense a little bit, but pulling the ball back and not being aggressive, attacking the basket, even though he's getting his shot blocked occasionally, missing a few you know, easier type shots at the rim. When he's being aggressive, it makes the game so much easier for everybody else. And so I think that's what Arizona needs from him. It doesn't have to be 20 and 7, but it's got to be aggressive all the time because it makes everybody else's game a lot easier. And you saw that with with Jordan Brown. I think I think Akinjo deserves a lot of credit for Jordan Brown being as good as he was yesterday. The thing is an Arizona fan that you've got to be really excited about though is as good as some of these players played There's a lot of room for improvement, which we're going to discuss in just a second. But I can tell you one thing. When you look at some of the players on this roster, when you look at when you look at the muscle tone of a guy like Benedict Matherin, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's consuming built bar on a daily basis. (laughs) The great thing about built bar is the built bar tastes like an actual candy bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. But if you're like me and you're trying to stay in shape or get into shape and the last thing you want after a workout is some kind of candy bar, candy bar, some kind of protein bar that tastes like paste, that's usually going to expedite you going to a fast food restaurant and then rationalize it by ordering something with chicken in it. This is the kind of bar where you can eat and it just tastes fantastic. It comes down smooth and you've got different flavors and it just tastes good. There's none of that chalky paste type feel to it. I can't recommend Built Bar enough. Again, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20 parts. 20% off your next order. Again, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats. I'm Mike Luke, joined by John Brogan. Going back and listening to the podcast last week, I was obviously a little uh, little down on Arizona after their performance against UCLA, and a lot of people are going to be down after a performance like that. And while I think a lot of us can get caught up in the moment, something that you try to take a little bit of a step back, the USC game that Arizona handled the 17th-ranked team in the country, again, was a reminder of what this team's capable of. We talked a lot about what was exciting about what we saw 
Now, let's talk about something that's even as exciting, in my opinion. We just talked about Azulis Tabellis and Jordan Brown. Jordan Brown giving you a performance that we've certainly never seen, and he's probably not going to be able to do again, or he probably won't perform like that again, but he showed that he's capable of doing some things. But as well as Arizona played at certain positions with a James Akinjo, Azulis Tabellis, Jordan Brown, if you're an Arizona fan and if you're Sean Miller and you're looking at this tape, you know what's really exciting for you? You've got a roster here of guys that also didn't play nearly up to their capability. And let's start let's start with Benedict Matherin. Three weeks ago, I'm thinking that Benedict Matherin's gonna probably be placing his name into the NBA draft. He's got a lot of what you look for here. And uh my buddy Kelvin Efon compared him to a young Michael Dickerson. And I like that comparison. Smooth 6'6 wing, can shoot well, great body type, athletic. He's really got everything that you look for from an NBA perspective. His confidence, though, is obviously shook right now. He's not playing very well. Last night, or excuse me, Saturday night, two points, one rebound in 17 minutes. That's a far cry from the 31 points. So, yes, Arizona played well. But the most talented player on this team did not play well. And you've got to figure that going into next season, with a whole season to be able to work here, you're going to see a drastically different and more consistent Benedict Matherin to go with some of the players that we already kind of know what they have. Yeah, and I think with this Arizona team, you know, next year they've got a chance to be, you know, I think a top 15-ish type team. Coming into the season, everything, you know, they lost all five starters. They bring in a ton of new players, Akinjo, Jordan Brown, all the foreigners. Terrell Brown transfers in. And so it's going to take a little bit of time for your chemistry to start to click. Well, you get games under your belt, and then what happens? Arizona self-imposes postseason ban. And I don't care what anybody says. I know Miller was asked the question, you know, what do they have to play for? And he said the love of the game and all those things. Totally agree. But when you're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. It's going to cut down your motivation. Who want to go play in the in, in the tournament in March Madness. That's what college basketball is all about. It's going to take a little bit of a hit. Now, do they still have pride? Do they still love basketball? Do they still have things to play for like NBA, you know, dreams and things like that? Definitely. But I think there was a little bit of a shock to the self-imposed ban to this team. And now I think you see yesterday, they're like, okay, we can settle in. We're getting comfortable with each other as a whole. And let's finish this season strong. And then we can come back next year and build upon what we got. Um, you know, Tabellis is just scratching the surface what he can do. Kerr's only played in five games. He's starting to scratch the surface. Matherin has shown NBA potential. So this team next year, you know, if they get some of these guys to take that traditional freshman to sophomore jump, I don't see how they're not a top 15 team. And this is a squad that... And I've got to be careful here because I was incredibly down after the UCLA performance, mainly because at Arizona, you are used to being the more talented team. Mm -hmm. And there's no doubt about it at this stage that the talent in the conference has caught up with Arizona in that USC has as much talent, if not more than Arizona, UCLA, Oregon. But that also doesn't mean 
that Arizona can't get back to where they were and what they were doing. And this roster certainly feels when they play well that they can do that. Now, Benedict Matherin, back to him just for a moment. He's going to be the key to this team, in my opinion, this offseason. He's got to be the guy that's going to be able to make that jump because he's the most physically capable of being 15 points, 16 points, and the guy that NBA scouts look at. If he can develop into that, which isn't a stretch, it's really not. Anybody that's seen him this year knows, I think, what he's capable of. And you always hear the the adage that the biggest uh, jump you make is from your freshman to sophomore year. That's not just throwaway jargon. That's a true statement. So he's a guy that you're going to have to really keep an eye on because he could make that jump. You follow in then, too, with a guy, Kerr Carissa. Let's talk about him for a minute. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's not shooting as well as I think it's fair to say that he's going to shoot. Anybody that's played hoop at any level knows that when he shoots that ball, he knows that it looks like that thing's going in. Factor in, too, that he's he's got a little bit of spunk. Generally, when a guy comes over from Europe, you wonder a little bit what's his mental makeup going to be, hasn't played against college level. He's not backing down from anybody. And Kelvin in the postgame show made a point that he didn't like it in his first possession when he waved off James Akinjo and said, (laughs) I'll bring it up. I disagreed with him there. I actually like that. Sure, it's probably not the greatest move per se, but it's also something that shows, dude, I don't care. This is just basketball to me. This is how I play. He's got a different makeup here, and there's a reason that Miller, after two games, put him into the starting lineup, and I don't think we're going to see him coming out of the starting lineup. No, and he's and you see him, he's, he's very happy to stick his nose in there and take a few charges. Doesn't matter. It could be Evan Mobley, as we saw um, on Saturday. He's pesky on defense. You know, he'll get up in you. Um... He'll take big shots, big threes. Yesterday was or, or Saturday was one of the first few games where you saw him create with the ball a little more. He had four assists. And so you can tell he's getting a little more comfortable, a little more comfortable as games go on. But I don't think we've seen maybe 30% of what he'll be next year. And then one other guy you want to touch on who had a really good game, and I think Arizona fans should be excited, is Dalen Terry. I followed Dalen Terry since he was a freshman in high school. You followed him for quite a while. You used to coach at the, uh, the uh, you used to coach at Choya High School. Shout out to the Chargers right there. <laughs> but he is kind of the mold of that old Sean Miller recruit in that he's a top twenty-five, top thirty kid, really long. And this was one of the games. This was obviously this was maybe his best game of the season. And he just showed what he could do too, as well. He's got a great attitude. He can. Sh- he's he's a better shooter than he's shown, I think. And he's a pretty cerebral guy. Again, this that point of this episode isn't to gloss over all of the flaws that are Arizona basketball program right now. The only point, though, is to show that this team does have some ability, and across the board. There's guys that can get better next year. So if you're going, if you're in the camp that you want to make a coaching change, okay, cool. Again, I get it. This is not Arizona basketball that we're accustomed to. to, to this is not a Arizona basketball we're accustomed to talking about. But when you look at this roster, and a friend texted me the other day who is not a Sean Miller fan at all, and he said, it's a game like this that makes me reticent of getting rid of Sean Miller. That's kind of the boat that I think I fall in, unless there's an obvious no-brain hire right there, John. Yeah, and there's been, this season has been, 
interesting to say the least with Sean Miller because they have a game like UCLA, everybody wants him fired. They have a game like USC, and all of a sudden it's like, ah, eh, maybe we shouldn't fire him because we have all this talent. Um, my issue with Sean Miller back to the beginning of the season is I think it's impossible to hire a coach without knowing the fate of the program. I also think it's impossible to keep Miller on a one just to let him finish out his contract because any coach who comes in on the tails of the NCA's decision or the or the the uh, independent review mm-hmm. committee, it's going to take them two or three years to build up their base with recruiting and things like that. And I don't know that Arizona fans have patience for that. And so they're in this precarious spot where if you get a new coach, you got to be ready to kind of be patient for three to five years. If you keep Miller, you get to keep this talent, you extend him, he can recruit, and then you trust the fact that he can get him back to the teams that were winning Elite Eights. This team has a little bit of a feel to where they could go deep in the tournament next year. John, what do you think about joining me on Wednesday? Yeah, I'm in. Maybe talk a little bit of U of A football, really kind of dive into that? Yeah, 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 definitely. Ben White's going to be joining me tomorrow for a couple segments on uh, we'll get his thoughts on everything that's unfolded. We're going to have some pretty cool guests coming up here later in the week. Maybe a guy who started, I don't know, in maybe five Super Bowls. But for John Brogan, I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to Locked on Wildcats.